0: is going on only playbook fans we are back week seven is over we need to talk all about it i am sweetheart i got chauvin and she full house guys she how are you feeling man
1: dude you sure you want to do me first because this may take a while no i'm, I'm just fine no i do
0: because I, <laughs> I, want, I want you to i want you to invoke the listeners and even me and Shovit in the euphoric world that you have been living Bro. in the last 24 hours
1: I cannot imagine what a Super Bowl feels like because just right now, literally it feels like, I can't imagine to be any better. All three of my fantasy teams have the best times they've ever had. And three dubs at the end of the first round of games is like unfathomable. And then on top of that, like all day long, I prayed to gods. I don't even knew that exist. And you know, somehow, some way, the Vikings pulled it off in like the best way possible. So I'm all smiles. Chauvet,
2: can you say the same? I can kind of say the same. So I'm in, in not the sense that my my fantasy team, you know, broke even one. I won one. I lost one. But the Steelers won. They beat the Los Angeles Rams. So that is something to be excited about. Not close to the Super Bowl, because I know what that feels like. But, wow, But <laughs> he went there. Good. He went there.
0: Shots fired. Wow, show it. All right. Coming up. like, high, a, that's,
1: like a, it. that's like a BB gun shot. Not, not that big of <laughs> a right
0: uh, That's fair. Same with me. Vikings won. Swept fantasy. Only two weeks. So, it's a good feeling for sure. A lot to discuss. Six teams on by. So when I was going through the notes, it's kind of cool that there was three less games we have to talk about. Um, so hopefully that'll make for a shorter episode, but you know how that always goes uh, without further ado, guys, let's kick it into the action with the rundown. Six teams on by, like I mentioned, Panthers, Bengals, Texans, Cowboys, Jets, Titans. So it was a bye apocalypse, which is so weird because now this week there's zero buys and then next week there's six yeah. buys again. So Has, it always been it like that? Of-
1: Has there been know. a random no buy week in the middle? Has that ever happened before?
0: Even if it has, it's like you hit six teams to no teams. It just seems so yeah. like you could go that four and sense. two, you know, like just yeah. spread it out a little bit for fantasy owners. But Thursday night football, first game on the board. The New Orleans Saints were hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars win this game 31 to 24. Cover the two and a half point dog spread over 41 and a half caches. Uh I'll kick us off, guys. Uh Ridley owner, um, big Ridley fan coming into the season. Uh, I think that ship for me has personally sailed. Like I we, we've had the boom weeks. We've had the bus weeks. I think this is what Calvin Ridley is in this offense as he's uh, glorified Mike Williams. He's glorified Gabe Davis. Like all those boomer bus guys, bust guys that can have big weeks, but also can't have big weeks. The volume is clearly Christian Kirk's. The secondary volume is clearly Evan Ingram's. Like he's the safety blanket. So if you're not in a situation where it's like a run and gun offense or a defense where you're going to need to be in a shootout and you need to throw the ball over the top, like Ridley's basically insignificant. Like it's it's gotten to the point where I benched Ridley last week for Rasheed Rice, which worked out, but most people probably don't have the benefit to bench Calvin Ridley or a guy you drafted in that nature. So it's very unfortunate. Kirk is a wide receiver one on that team. He's wide receiver 17 overall. Double-digit points in every single week since week one. That's six straight weeks, and they play Pittsburgh next week. So I think you're deploying Christian Kirk and – you know basically because of that matchup i'm probably going to deploy ridley uh because he becomes a matchup based play moving forward but uh not happy with the output not happy with what i thought was going to be a wide receiver one and so far this is christian kirk's team so uh what did you see in this game uh
1: similar stuff that was the biggest news obviously um you know uh, ridley going so high in drafts uh it's it's a little disappointing um there is some some uh, bright spots there though um there's been over 5 big plays big plays are considered passes over 40 yards that have been caught, he has caught all of them. It's not like he has like, you know, uh, the serious case of the uh, Deontay Johnsons, but um he <laughs> caught these big plays and some two of them were in the end zone. So, I mean, we're talking like, that's almost like a 30-point swing total in his whole statistical analysis. Uh, but, you know, looking at how Lawrence has been playing too, I'm just not a big fan of this offense. They, they They're doing a good job. They're making things work, but it doesn't seem sustainable. We'll see. Christian Kirk, uh, however, the real deal. G- doing these drag routes like I've never seen before he is really good at that taking him to the house and everything big fan of that one thing I do want to add though um the Saints kind of lost this game in my opinion this was a very good game uh from a you know grinded out perspective The Saints had seven drives in scoring range versus only four for the Jaguars and four red zone drives for the Saints versus only two for um the Jags, and the Jags capitalized on both of those. The Saints only capitalized on 50% of those. So, I mean, the Saints had every opportunity to do things. Uh, they just kind of failed. Some of these kicks, I think the kicker missed two field goals. Um, uh, It's just, it was, it was a bad game. Saints are still trying to figure stuff out. I feel a little bad, but I don't feel bad for these Camaro owners who can go and suck it because this is just not fair. Dude. He He's on historic pace. He has like five less targets or like one, like some sort <laughs> of. Then Tyreek Hill, bro. Like, it's crazy. He four
0: games and he's going to lead the league in catches as a running back. Unbelievable. it as somebody who is a, uh, as a Olave owner, not only Kamara, right? Like, the Kamara shit hurts the offense. It helps Kamara owners. But when you have Taysom Hill all of a sudden, somebody that's getting like six to seven targets a game, how does that make you feel as a Chris Olave owner?
2: I know. It's like the same boat as a Ridley owners, right? You drafted him high third round, fourth round, hoping that you would see some production, but it's just not happening. And then now he has this speeding ticket. To, uh, <laughs> he's in jail for going over 35 miles per hour, speedster on the road. He thought, he was, he, thought, he, thought he was Ozuna. He was he was going 70 on a 35, man. Jeez, he
1: tried to pull is, in Azuna, dude, and it didn't work.
2: <laughs> what is he thinking? But I, I'm I'm hopeful. You know, I, I think that the targets were there. 15 yeah. targets and yeah. seven catches on those 15 targets. Yeah, he only had 57 yards, but I think that, you know, that's, did you see Derek Carr yelling at him when he didn't run as hard as he could on that uh, fly route? Like, I think that kind of stuff is probably going to bring them closer together as like a wide receiver and quarterback connection, and I think they sort this thing out. The 15 targets in itself is something that I'm like, okay, I just Got to keep holding and hope that yeah. this turns into something better. Cause I, I, you know, I'm optimistic on Chris Olave, even with his down games in the past couple of weeks. Yeah. Like a ceiling
0: doesn't seem like it's as high as we wanted it to be, right? Drafting man, the third down potentially could be a fringe wide receiver one, but that target share, the floor is always there, which sucks. Is Olave last year even was like second or third in air yards, but those air yards weren't always realized, right? So it's like you play this game of fantasy football wise, he's the ball is going his way, but not all of them are hitting. And It's ironic that Derek Carr, of all people, has the audacity to yell at Chris Olave <laughs> for going 100% when this motherfucker will not stop dunking the ball three yards behind the line of scrimmage to Alvin. Yeah. Alvin Kamara's average yards per route run was negative three, guys. He was getting the ball. three I'm getting yards angry behind just the line hearing of this. I'm, it was, dude, I, I went back because I missed a lot of football and I had to watch a lot of these games. Even Thursday Night Football, I actually watched, but I went back to rewatch because I didn't have a lot of Kamara or Saints owner. So I needed to see what the hell Derek Carr was thinking. And, dude, this is. This is, like, every NFL team's nightmare. Like, the quarterback doesn't give enough time to develop anything. It's like, Kamara's there. Shit, he's there. I got to throw it to him. Kamara's not there. Taysom Hill is my other safety blanket. So, like, you're not giving Olave, Shahid, Thomas time to, like, run these routes. And then you have the audacity to yell at Olave when 90% of the time you don't even let him finish his route before you checked it down. No wonder he's not going to run hard Oh, God. Sorry. I could have said really bad things to Derek Carr, but that was super frustrating. Fantasy owners, like you said, if you own Camara, you're like, keep doing this. I hope Camara just gets 15 catches a game. But for the offense and for the team, this is disgusting. You're not going to win football games like this. Derek Carr is the big problem here. Uh, Let's see if they can actually sustain an offense. But right now, if you're a Camara owner, you're absolutely rejoicing. First game on Sunday, guys. uh, This is where the weirdness of Sunday began with me. The Raiders were in Chicago to play the Bears, and Tyson Bajant, Division two quarterback at a shepherd university, you know, shut down the naysayers, basically 30 to 12. They win the game They cover the two and a half point dog spread over 38 and a half caches. Uh, show what was your biggest takeaway in this game?
2: Dude, three total touchdowns by, uh, Deontay Foreman is unbelievable. Two rushing one receiving touchdown, uh, you know, he hit the hat trick. And I think that as a Roshan Johnson owner, I am a little bit concerned. I think that it hurts him. We saw uh, even with Foreman doing what he did with the three touchdowns, great fantasy week. He had a 50-50 split carry um, with Darrington Evans. So I think that you can expect the same. What you have been stashing Roshan Johnson for to be that run RB1 for the Chicago Bears, I just don't think that will be something that you will see. And it's tough it's like do I start him do I not it's going to be a tough uh, decision for me moving forward with Roshan Johnson
1: yeah I agree um it just sucks man this and any running back would flourish on this team whether it's Johnson getting all the carries Foreman getting all the carries you know Herbert getting all the carries who just gets just ignored every day even though he produces like ridiculous amounts of reduction every time he touches the ball. Um, Yeah, it's just going to be impossible. This is going to be one of those desperation flex plays. You cannot rely on any of these running backs to be RB2 moving forward when you're splitting the ball. Um, But let's not focus on the running backs here. Let's talk about why they won this game. And that's TB17. I literally just gave him that nickname. I don't even know if that's running around. But he had only one pass 15 yards or past the field, right? It was all within 15 yards. Super efficient. Moved the ball. He knew they are playing the Raiders. They can't do shit. Let's just get down the field and get points. And that's what they did. They just moved down the field and slowly gathered points, you know, a West coast offense uh, coach would love that shit. Um, but, you know, he did his job, minimal role. He didn't. wasn't asked to do crazy things, and he did it right. Super efficient. He was like 13 for 17 at one point. It was just – it was beautiful. Um, great job. Uh, and he had his whole family there. All 60 members of his family were there. So it, nothing but happy news for him. And I'm excited to see what he does next week. Maybe they open up the play, uh, book a little bit. Maybe he throws downfield. Maybe we see fields on the trade market soon. Who knows? Bro, I mean,
0: you know – we we've spent our time at least i personally have like dissing justin Fields so i don't want to spend too much time but it's not it's got to be a really bad sign when a division two quarterback just gets plopped in in a situation where you know there's not like nothing is going right for that team essentially justin Fields win wins with his athleticism so this guy comes in that doesn't have any of that he has some of it but not to the level of Fields. and yet he's able to dink and dunk his way to 30 points efficient getting the ball out quick going through his progressions i mean like you said when you told me that he played pretty well and he was very accurate i went back and watched it and man it was a flick of the wrist like it, he made the throws look so effortless he never looked under duress like he was so poised and it's not what you expect from a rando division two quarterback making his first like he never even played a big football like a college football program and he's getting thrusted into the nfl um so i was very very impressed for me on the other side of the ball the raiders abysmal how does Devonte adams have four catches in the first drive and finish the game with seven for 57 i will never understand that um He dropped a touchdown though. So as much as I want to make an excuse for Devontae, like you just can't do that. That's one of the easiest drops I've ever, 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 ever seen. And somebody like Devante, you would never expect that. So it is unfortunate when you talk that talk, you got to back it up, man. So uh, a little bit unfortunate there, but uh, they play on Monday Night Football. Jimmy G should be back next week. Extra days rest. I am still trying to buy Devonte Adams. I own him in our league. In my other league, I am doing everything I can to try to trade for this guy. I even offered Jacoby Myers for him, which is a weird trade. But if you look at the production, Myers has actually been way more consistent. So I think that could be an appealing trade for other people that maybe don't allure to the name Devontae Adams that I seem to. Uh, so for me, I'm still riding on Devonte Adams. Either he's going to turn it around or they're going to have to trade him in a week before the trade deadline because he probably wants to go to a contender. His quotes saying that he wants to be part of the offense, all that stuff. He's clearly involved. He wants to do well. Uh, he wants to, the, the football, basically. And so if they're not going to feed it to him, um, I think he either gets traded or his uh, season turns around because he's one of the best players in football, so there's no reason not to throw him the football. So if you have Devonte Adams on the trade market in your league, I would still go out and buy him. The Indianapolis Colts and the Cleveland Browns, I don't think anybody expected this shootout. Gardner Minshew put up 38 points against the Browns defense and still didn't win. 39-38, Browns win this game. Uh, three and a half points covered by Indianapolis at home, over 40 caches. Uh, let's talk about Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford finally had a good game. Uh, he's been the number one running back there, even though Kareem Hunt gets touches and is productive with them. But now he has a high ankle sprain. It was like a low-grade high ankle sprain, showed, so I don't know. What that means, low, high. When they say low and high, I get a little confused. So high ankle sprains, I know typically you're looking at three or four weeks. Regular ankle sprains, you know, just really depends. So I don't know what the diagnosis is, but Kareem Hunt looked efficient. Pierre Strong came in and assumed the role of Ford, even though Hunt stayed what kind of Hunt normally does. So uh, I don't know if this is a you go out and buy Pierre Strong for a couple weeks. uh, Depending on the severity of Jerome Ford's injury, I don't know if you can shed some more light on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing with these type of injuries is that you either get told he has an ankle fracture or you get told he has an ankle sprain. They don't tell you how many ligaments were torn. So where you tear one ligament, that's still a sprain. You tear four ligaments, five ligaments, that's still a sprain. So you're right. The threshold, the, 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 the spectrum in this type of situation is just too vast. And we getting information from a sideline reporter is not the move here. You should not listen to like a sideline reporter saying, oh, it's a low grade ankle sprain. Well, how do you know that sideline reporter? So always wait for the Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Injury reports coming from the team doctors to make a decision regarding trading, dropping, adding all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. You know, i just wanted to do my best, uh, you know, Justin Timberlake uh, impression. Colts are bringing sexy back, uh, uh, JT back, you know, and so uh, JT's back and he is producing 75 uh, yards and he got into a touchdown as well. He saw targets four targets as opposed to one for Zach Moss. So I'm liking it all that I see for, from JT. I'm glad I got him in one of my leagues. I, I was waiting and I'm seeing that fruition. I did see Minshew vulture JT at times. Two <laughs> rushing yeah. touchdowns. Like, I did not see that happening. Nobody but- did.
1: You know how many times that has ever happened? You know how many times a quarterback has thrown for two touchdowns and ran for two touchdowns in Colts history? Never.
2: Probably never. never. No. Uh, Peyton Manning definitely never did that. No. I can tell you that. Um, Andrew Luck didn't do that either. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, I- I'm just excited for JT. He think he's back. He's, you know, a uh, starter, obviously. And so, good things are coming his way,
0: I still have a little bit of reservation on that situation. Yeah, I'm
1: not, I'm selling, sell this shit.
0: So I I think the name JT can get you more than the fact that I think at best, he plays maybe 60% of the snaps because Zach Moss isn't going away. 18 carries for both of them. Like, yes, JT saw more snaps, but there's no reason to feed Moss the ball 18 times. If you don't need to, if JT is a superstar, right? So, that's my fear is if people can still allure to the name, just uh, I said Justin Timberlake, <laughs> uh, Jonathan Taylor, um, then I think you can sell him for sure because of the name. So yeah. it is appealing. It's nice. He saw 18 touches, the most he played, and he got in the end zone, right? So the number from a fantasy points perspective is alluring enough to trade him away and the name. So it could be a really tricky situation where you waited all season, but now are you picking a prime opportunity to sell him because you can sell him high? So uh, a little bit of a battle there, but Shasho, what did you yeah. see this game?
1: Um, I'm, you know, your monthly kicker report. So Dustin Hopkins is in the best spot for kickers right now. Um, you, these are the things you want for a kicker. Okay. You don't want an elite coach. You don't need a new and up and coming young coach. Cause they're going to go for it too much. They're going to use the percentages to never kick. If given the chance you need one with like a Zimmer mindset, who just grind and pound. Okay. Check the fourth down conversion, uh, rates on these teams and how many opportunities they've had. The lesser, the better, okay? You need terrible QB play. We're getting that from Watson. We're we're getting average play from PJ Walker because they'll never get the ball in the end zone. They will get close enough with elite running, which is the last thing you need is elite level running, which this offense has. They're built to run the ball. You're going to move the ball. You're never going to score throwing touchdowns. You're great. And then last thing, you have elite defense, right? You create opportunity, more opportunities for the offense with the elite defense. Those are all the things the Browns have. This just means hella production. The only thing going against him is the winter and outdoors in Cleveland. Outside of that metric, everything is like Hopkins here, everybody else, multiple tiers lower. So if there's a chance he's out there floating around, I'd scoop it up.
2: Yeah,
0: 22 fantasy points, man. Kickers have been... You know, you're either on the right side or the wrong side of kickers. I feel like in a lot of seasons, and that trend, at least for me, it's like if I'm on the wrong side, it seems to be every week. But so far this year, I will say the one thing that has been on my side, Jake Elliott has been like double digits every single week, and then I randomly picked up Hopkins and he had 22. So it's it's like a I don't I don't know how much how sustainable my luck in picking up kickers or having kickers score double digit points is, but man, when that kicker spot gets 10 plus and the rest of your lineup's performing, you're like at 120 Dude, easily. It's sure. so scary, so scary. First upset on the board, Bills in at New England, and the Patriots win this game 29 to 25 in a last second touchdown by Mac Jones to Mike Isecki, both of them doing one of the worst greeties I've ever seen. Eight and a half point spread. They cover that over 41 caches. Shisho, what was your biggest takeaway here?
1: Oh, man. I'm just a little disappointed in Josh Allen. Like, from a fantasy standpoint, glorious, right? You'll get those rushing touchdowns, you'll make plays happen here and there. I'm a little worried for the bills long-term I know this isn't major part of our fantasy football podcast, but I'm really worried. I'm really worried because the world has been given to him on a platter. You have multiple capable running backs. You have Stefan Diggs, elite level tight ends, considering the landscape of the tight ends. And you have a defense who is known for the last five years to be the best. So at what point do you sit there and say, huh? What do we need to change here, right? You lose to a Mac Jones-led Patriots. You lose to Zach Wilson. You almost lose to the uh, the Giants led by Tyrod Taylor. You scored 14 points against them. You know, at at some point, you have to understand, all right, what's our landscape here? Why do we keep losing these big games in the late season? Why does Patrick Mahomes keep getting the best of you? Well, how, what do we do different? And I don't see anything done differently. I just see like this deer in the headlights kind of a look. The closer it gets to the end. Uh, What does that mean for fantasy? Not much. You're going to get production. He's going to get you numbers probably better than any other quarterback long-term. He's probably going to end up uh, QB1. But defenses have been honing on to this targeting one receiver technique. It's it's working to some degree, but when you're this close losing to these bottom tier quarterbacks and almost losing to the Giants, you have to understand, like, the football doesn't work like that. You can't just force feed one guy and expect the rest of the team to do nothing. You have to spread it around, move the ball around, and I think that leads to our next topic, which is Dalton Kincaid.
0: Yeah, that's a great – thank you for that segue. Dalton Kincaid, eight catches for 75 yards on eight targets. Knox had is is having surgery, so he's almost for sure probably going to be on the IR, which means at least four weeks miss. And the Bills' offense is sputtering. Like, that's what, exactly what you're saying. Shook, they have all the – they have all everything in terms of the recipe to, like, put together a great – dish yet it's lacking so many things and i think that second weapon dave davis you know boomer bust right he's not reliable so if if digs is truly getting taken away which to an extent can't happen but it still will where eventually you're going to double triple team him somebody else has to be the safety blanket for josh allen otherwise he does exactly have that deer in his headlights look enter Dalton kincaid eight for 75 i think the target share has to go up they're they're looking and searching and pleading for somebody else to step up in this offense even though what's crazy is james cook's running well he's catching well i wish they would throw him the football more like use him in space where he can excel but i think Dalton kincaid is going to be the biggest benefactor here just from a volume perspective you're now the only tight end you're basically a wide receiver playing a tight end position in an offense that's seeking a number two option i think moving forward he's his usage alone is going to be top 10 easily
2: yeah um So I'm going to talk about the most important player on the Patriots team fantasy-wise, and that's Armando Steeves. Kendrick Bourne? Kendrick Bourne, I mean, (laughs) yeah, could be. Um, as of last, I mean, he had a touchdown last week, so yeah, definitely. But Stevenson, he's not producing like you want him to produce. Um, this year, and it's been uh terrible. To see, and it's it's the fact that he's just not getting to end zone. And Zeke is out here vulturing uh Stevenson. But I think that I, I I'm optimistic on the Patriots uh, offense and uh, just Stevenson being more involved in the offense. He saw six targets last game, so I think that he has more a bounce back week weeks come moving forward. He's a guy that I would target and try to get uh definitely a buy low target for me
0: yeah i think you're still riding on the fact that stevenson's going to be the third down back just to catch passes like this what sucks is zeke is getting goal line work now so you're we're talking about stevenson not getting into the end zone and now he's really probably going to have less chances to get in the end zone so you have to hope that he is you know on third downs catching those passes those dink and dunks to make himself fantasy relevant um
1: real quickly before you know, fantasy world goes upside down with storm because the trade rumors are going to be happening here soon because the trade deadline's coming up. I can see DeAndre Hopkins getting traded to the bills. That is, that is something that both parties should just pull the trigger on unload this side and that side, just get a huge target to help out, uh, digs in the gang. So, cause I, I think that would be a solid fit for the bills,
0: man. So many good trade targets out there. Hopkins Adams, Man. Imagine Adams there. No, d- Adams, don't, Adams,
1: don't Adams, do that. that, that that's <laughs> going to be the greatest wide receiver duo in the NFL history. And we can't have that.
0: <laughs> oh man. Speaking of a team that basically doesn't have wide receivers, the giants were facing the commanders this week at home. They won the game 14 to seven, cover the three point dog spread under 37 caches. Darren Waller is back and it's exciting to see for me, uh, drafting Darren Waller was super excited. You know, uh, really, really bad the first four or five weeks, but Finally, three straight weeks of seven-plus targets, 12 points in two of his last three weeks. He's tied in five on the season already after that. So, again, desolation of tight ends. Uh, but what sucks about all this is, like, do you keep Tyrod Taylor because he's playing well? Like, my reservations are Daniel Jones comes back, and what does that mean for production for Darren Waller? Um, I don't know. But how crazy is it that this offense seems to be clicking a lot better with Tyrod Taylor at the helm than, you know, $40 million man Daniel Jones? it, what would you see here?
2: Yeah, no, I, I was looking at the commander's backfield, and it's gross. Um, Brian Brian Robinson has been the hot hand for the first, uh, you know, couple four weeks or so. Uh, but now, you know, rookie Chris Rodriguez is getting some uh, running back share where there's Antonio Gibson already in the mix. He had uh, seven carries to uh, Brian Robinson's eight carries. So, you know, it's just – I know there's some people out there that have Brian Robinson as their RB1 or RB2 on their team, um, and it's just not looking good. Sky's not looking good for, for our um, Brian Robinson owners.
1: Yeah, it's not looking good for anybody on that team, to be honest with you. Um, McLaurin had a fair amount of targets, right? He had nine targets. Dotson had eight targets. Samuel had eight targets. I'm staying away from this whole team. They have no identity. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. They have one of the worst offensive lines in football. And I started Sam Howell this week, so I'm extra, extra upset, although it didn't really matter much. but um Howell, man i play in a league where you every sack is a minus one point and every oh, game he gets like minus five points from somewhere and it's just it's so frustrating this this offense is just atrocious i think sam howell in when you know just in retrospect he's actually doing a pretty good job compared to what this offensive line is actually creating for them some of the times he breaks some uh tackles and kind of like as a big dude kind of forces some plays to happen. But outside of that, like a scrawny quarterback that playing for this team, they would be dead by now. He's on pace to have the most sacks in NFL history. That's saying something because we play in a very soft era of football where like the back then, the mean Joe green and all those guys could just murder people and they wouldn't matter. Well, we are on pace to break all of those records. So Sam Howell, buckle up, buddy. It's going to be a long season.
0: Yeah. Let's see if he can even stay healthy for the whole season with how much he's getting hit. It's actually insane. <clears throat> the tampa bay buccaneers and the falcons next game on the board guys buccaneers falcons a low scoring game atlanta on the road covered the three-point dog spread and win this game 16 to 13 despite just basically sitting out their star player which we'll talk more about under 37 and a half caches um shove it what is it that you want to talk about this game
2: yeah so before the game started i asked you guys you guys think the falcons are going to win or the bucks are going to win and you said if the falcons pass the ball they should win. I think you said that right. So, uh, I that seems to be working for the Falcons. At least they won, and not not by a lot, but sixteen to thirteen. Um, so I think that the the beneficiary of that is going to be Drake London. He saw seven targets. He also had a almost a catch in the end zone. Uh, a catch that I'm like Mike Evans probably catches that. Uh, but uh, so I think How that the, the turntables. I know, I know, I know. It's you know, <laughs> it's week seven. This is where we're at. And I think that Drake London will continue to see targets. He's—I mean, who else is gonna get the ball, right? Like, it's—it's it's not Kyle Pitts. Uh, you know, the the thing you about know that he makes the- crazy catches every time he gets the ball
0: thrown to him. You're just like, okay, ball was like way back here, and he just yeah. like snagged it. But they're like, no, nope, we're good. You have like Spider Man like mitts, but we're just not gonna throw you the ball.
2: Right. So I'm uh, I'm optimistic on Drake London. I think that he's going to have uh, a good fantasy production on sheer volume itself.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, talking about volume on the other side, pass catchers, right? Pass catchers, you talk about Mike Evans. Godwin is obviously second fiddle to Mike Evans this year, but I don't know what to make of Chris Godwin here, and I, I kind of want you guys to chime in here. Zero touchdowns on the season. He's wide receiver 42 overall. Last three weeks, though, he's got over 9.6 points per game and half point per PPR. Is that a trend or, for, for, of good things to come? The Bucs can't run the football very well. I know, sure, you're going to talk a little bit about how their uh, schedule softens up for the run game, uh, but is that schedule softening up? you know, spelling good things also for Godwin? Are you buying Chris Godwin or with this offense? Is is it, I mean, is it a guy that ultimately the numbers and stats and targets are always there, but if you're not getting into the end zone, five for 75 or five for 84 or six for 72 is like basically the ceiling for this man. So what do you make of Chris Godwin as we stand here right now? To show?
1: As somebody living in New York, I like low ceilings, all right? If I'm living in Texas, I'm not going to go for a low ceiling type of play, but this is the type of ceiling you do want. This is the nice kind of low ceiling. We're talking, you know, the Ridley owners, Ridley uh, people that – you know, I'm getting rid of Ridley. I'm getting Godwin on my team. That doesn't look good. Week two, it looks phenomenal right now. What you're you're getting guaranteed output from your third wide receiver? Your flex play, right? We're talking about how Ridley's not playable. Well, Godwin is playable. He's playable at the flex, and we haven't seen much touchdowns, but they're gonna come. There's gonna be here and there, and the soft. You talked about the softness of the schedule. It is the softest run schedule in the league. So, congratulations. if You've been holding on to Rashad White. Welcome to chess, not checkers. This is what you've been waiting for. This is why you draft him because you're playing for the long run. You don't care about the week two through seven output. It's coming. It's all coming. And the fact that they've seen Rashad White and the low output, they understand it's not because of the running back position. It's the, the schedule has been one of the worst I've ever seen in my life. And they're not going away from him, right? Like we, people talk about, oh, well, this guy's kind of, coming in to take some carries. Well, that guy comes, that guy leaves. Nothing to worry about there. Barring a Rashad White injury, he's too good of a pass blocker. He's too good of a uh, run after the catch kind of a guy. They're going to use him a lot. They're going to use uh, middle of the field a lot because it's Mayfield. Mayfield loves the middle of the field. Historically, one of the most middle of the field players in of all time. So we're talking a lot of Chris Godwin, a lot of Rashard White. I think I, I'm, getting, I'm getting Chris Godwin on my team. This is one of those easy, soft wide receiver three slash flex decisions where you can unload a really struggling player and you can just get a a reputable, low ceiling, New York ceiling kind of guy.
0: Yeah. I I think that makes a lot of sense. And uh, the Rashad white situation actually brings about a scenario that I'm currently in that I want to run by you guys. Right. So here are my running backs in my other league. I've Saquon Barkley. I have Tony Pollard and I have David Montgomery. Montgomery is injured. Obviously when he comes back, I have a hard time believing that I can start Rashad white over any of those three guys. Right. But Rashad white's not, he's not as sexy of a trade appeal. So I could hold on to Rashad White and utilize that soft schedule and deploy one of my sexier names because they're going to garner more back. If I want to make a play at a potential wide receiver one, who of those guys are you looking at trading away?
1: I think Montgomery is your only answer there, dude, because like the trade the the injuries have kind of caught up now. It's two years with like five injuries, four injuries. That's a lot of injuries and the usage is going to be there. So you're going to get, you're going to do great for the first couple of weeks he comes back, but all signs point towards him being kind of a fragile player now. And I'm a little concerned if I'm trying to play the long game and I want to win a championship, I'm not sure if I want to, you know, if there's a, if there's a wide receiver one, I can get in return for Montgomery, you know, like a lower end, maybe like an Amon Ray St. Brown, if possible, you know, it, it with some packaging around there. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm a little concerned. I'm not going to lie. If I'm playing the lo- long run game and I'm getting this much volume from Montgomery, it's going to look really nice right now, but it's a, li- it's a little concerning.
2: Chovit, do you have any thoughts, sir? <clears throat> yeah, so name the players again. Uh, who are you trading away?
0: Yeah, so I have Barkley, Pollard, and Montgomery with Rashad White. So I can't deploy Rashad White away because nobody wants him because no. of the low appeal. So I need to send away an appealing player uh, to get a wide receiver back. Who are you trading I- away out of those guys?
2: I mean, I'm not, I'm trading Rashad White. I'm not bought in on this, uh, on this, uh, that uh, the running game is going to uh, run. The defense is going to help Rashad White. I mean, there's Vaughn in the mix and he hasn't been efficient either. So I I don't think that you can, with the three guys that you have with Montgomery and the guys that have been producing, I would stick the course with that and not uh, play on Rashad White, who has not done anything. We've seen him last year either. Like it, this isn't a guy who's ever produced. Uh, in any any aspect, so it's just going to be a tough tough for me to um, let go of Montgomery and hope to get something from Rashad White. Yeah, I, I mean
1: that's that's a fair opinion, but to say that he's never produced is totally false. I mean, yeah, it, Leonard Fournette was in front of him for majority of the year, and when he did play, he produced pretty well enough to not let this these backups come and bother you. So everything you just explained, I already explained earlier on why I am against all of that. But we'll see. You know, chestnut checkers. We'll see what game we're playing.
0: Yeah, I mean it, that's the thing. In an ideal world, I would trade Rashad White, but no one's gonna want Rashad White because his yeah, it's hasn't it's a low. Play,
1: right? it's, it doesn't make sense. Like that, that answer makes no sense. Like no one's gonna give you good players yeah, you, for Rashad White yeah, right I now. I can't
0: get. I'm not gonna get anything back for Rashad White. That's why I want to hold on to White because of the schedule and use one of my sexier names to garner somebody back. But I'll have to do some more digging to see if any of those top tier guys has like a tough schedule. Blah blah blah. Uh, but again, having a plethora of running backs and sitting JJ on the IR, I'm looking for a wide receiver there. <laughs> Uh, crazy game next the Ravens. Holy crap. This offense is clicking 38 to six. They annihilate the lions lions frauds. I don't know. 38 to six. They covered the three point spread over 43 and a half caches. Uh, you just talked about a Monterey St. Brown. I would, just run to the ticket counter. If somebody was like, I'll give you a Monterey St. Brown uh, for David Montgomery. This guy is insane. Wide receiver nine on the season, every game, seven targets, every game, five catches every game, at least 50 yards. Does that sound familiar? Oh yeah. There's another Brown in history that like set the record for most five catch 50 yard games ever Antonio. So this guy is following in that footsteps. I don't know. He's a poor man than Antonio Brown, but right now there's not very wow. many more reliable wide receivers in the NFL than a Monterey St. Brown. Look at the game log. Look at the target share. Look at the catches. Like, you're, he's wide receiver nine and I the other day I was arguing with somebody saying Amon to me he's not a wide receiver one he's probably fringe at best wide receiver two and then I looked at his game log and I'm like I would gladly take him as my wide receiver one look at the production so uh St. Brown it's, it's a guy that I always overlook and I always sit here seven weeks later like why did I overlook that man so show it talk about show it talk about Jameer Gibbs
2: yeah, we finally see Jameer Gibbs doing Jameer Gibbs things, right? Like what we expected when we drafted him uh, in terms of fantasy, uh, but I think they're still not using him to his true potential. And that's part, partly because Montgomery isn't there. So they're running down the middle with him, which is not producing any fantasy results. Um, but when they use him in screen passes and these outside runs, you see his speed, you see him uh, getting those extra yards after catch. So that's where they need to continue using him. And I think that uh, you you can see some more of that until Montgomery comes back. He's going to be a guy that you continue to start. Um, last week, I would, uh, or the week prior, I think, he, you know, he, would, he was a must start with Montgomery um, out and and he didn't produce. But I think now moving forward, you can have a, a little bit more hope that Gibbs is going to give you that, what Montgomery is lacking.
0: Yeah, man, I was play So Jake in my other league has Alvin Kamara and has Jameer Gibbs. And I think those guys combined for like 24 catches this past week. So uh mm-hmm.
1: must be nice. Yeah. So, um, you know, the Amon Ray St. Brown thing, it's, 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 that's why I wanted to talk about him. Nobody knows who he is or where he stands, but I got a pretty good idea. I I think it's really far fetched to say it's Antonio Brown caliber. Cause he doesn't, he doesn't go deep. He doesn't do any of that. It's just like deep in it's, it's more Justin Jefferson than it is Antonio Brown. So I'm thinking it's more of a, you know, from his, for his size, obviously Jefferson's much bigger, but we're talking Edelman type of play. We're We're talking like if there was if there was, um, you know, Jameson Williams that could stretch field, which he hasn't really been a, a big threat and that he kind of comes and goes, I don't really know where he stands either. But if they did have like a Randy Moss to the Edelman or like a, like a Devonte Adams or a bigger presence, I think that would make this team next level, right? Because now we're, we're seeing like some injuries here and there from Amon Ray because the volume catches up, dude. This is like... Father time is forever going to be undefeated. We're seeing a tinier receiver. If this was AJ Brown, it's a different conversation. We're seeing a tinier receiver getting 19 targets. Like in what world do you think that's going to last all season? It's, It's great for owners. That's great. But just think about it logically. It's a tiny guy running up the middle almost every time or like quick outs. And he's getting hit and he's suffering from those injuries. So I'm seeing more of an Edelman style play. I just kind of clicked one day. I was like, wait a second. Like this guy is really good at what he does, but what is, who does he remind me of? It's very, very, let me get open in space. Let me, let me create more space for the quarterback by throwing the ball, like 10 yards in front on a soft lob and just going over there and getting it. It's these open field receivers. He reminds me so much of.
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's fair. I- and I wasn't saying he's Antonio Brown-level talent. I just met him yeah, yeah, 50. Know. I remember Brown. <laughs> Brown had the record, I think, for most games he in did. a row. He did. Um, speaking of Antonio Brown, the Steelers. Played the next game against the Rams on the road. And Mike Tomlin says, I don't care who my quarterback is. I will win another game. 24 to 17. Covered the three and a half point dog spread under 44 caches. Um, I'll let you guys talk about the Steelers if you want. But let me talk about Puka Nakua real quick. Because I was waiting for one game. One game only where I just wanted Puka to outperform Cooper Cup. To see if that was a possibility with the way this offense runs through Cup. I was like, is there even a world where some games I'll be like, you know what? Like, let's look at Nakua. And I was like, I don't know, man. Cup comes back in the first two plays. They throw him to him, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was having my reservations, but some uncharacteristic two drops in a row for Cooper Cup early in this game. And what did they say? They said, you know what? Cup, it's just not your day, man. You know, we're just going to give the ball to Puka Nakua. Eight for 154 and 12 targets all led the team. Uh, Cooper Cup, obviously, is Cooper Cup. He's still one on that roster. But I thought Puka was a 2A, but I think he's more of a 1B, man. So I feel pretty good about him. Uh, I'm going to continue to hold on to him. I mean, think about this. That offense between Cup and Nakua had 66% target share. So, like, that's insanity, right? So, that if you're just saying 30% target share per guy, like, both of those guys are automatic deployable starts. If Tutu Atwell didn't catch the one pass for a touchdown, I mean, we'd have a whole different story. So, uh, 66% target share between the two of them, both of those guys, lock and loaded, man. Puka wide receiver four on the season and no end in sight there.
2: Yeah, Puka Nakua was a problem the whole game, man. It it was it was terrible with the the fact that we couldn't stop him. And only until Joey Porter was on him that he was able to not convert that third down. That was a huge play. But uh, you know, fantasy wise, man, Najee is he back? George Pickens is he back? (laughs) You know, I'm just the 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 thing with the Steelers is that they're going to be down early. It seems like you know they're not. They figure out their offense in after the half. And they're they're just they're not they're not you know who they don't have any identity until the second half. So I think that with it once now that Deontay Johnson is back, they're going to start converting these third downs, and that means more points to be had. And I think that's going to bode well for Najee. They're not going away for with them. And and say what you want about Jalen Warren, yeah, he looks better, but that's not how the Steelers think about Najee, and they want to continue using him. So I think that picks what you... picks and Mike Tomlin, man, picks and Mike Tomlin. It, that's probably what it is. Yeah. I mean, he's got something on Mike Tomlin, but you know, you, you, they want to use his like brute force, like, you know, uh, able to use his strength to run down the middle. Uh, so they're going to continue use, using him. And in terms of George Pickens, like I said, if Deontay Johnson and, and the whole offense is running well, the converting on third downs, there's more balls to be caught. And I think that's going to bode well for George Pickens as well.
1: That's crazy. You could say that exact same thing about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Unfortunately, where we're seeing Najee Harris being back, he actually scored 0.1 less points than Rashad White. Funny how our personal narratives work that way. Um, But anyways, um, I really wanted to just highlight the return um, of one of the greatest fantasy receivers of the last, you know, six, seven years. Um, I think that changed a lot of things. It just created the safety net that Pickett just did not have. Like, who who was a safety net there? There was none. And there was a lot of Warren having to be used. I suspect that's going to lower down a little bit um, because, I mean, he's a target hog, right? We're talking only six targets this game. Uh, just coming back. That's about 13.2 yards per target. It ended up with 76. Um, we're going to see similar Deontay Johnson things. Uh, maybe not many touchdowns, but we'll see, you know, up to 10 targets a game. That's a huge deal. It's like, a, that's a, a total team changer as far as the output of everybody else. Um, so I expect good things from Deontay Johnson. If you're able, still able to get him, I mean, like that should be your number one priority. I don't know if anybody's still, if he's around, but if he's out there, that's a must, that's a must get.
0: Yeah, I think it's nice for them to have two different types of receivers now back to open up the offense. Right now, I do. I think both receivers are going to be fantasy relevant week in and week out. Absolutely not. I think one week one guy's going to be, one week another guy's going to be. Uh, you're playing two receivers that have completely different outlooks. Deontay offers you an amazing floor. Right, he's Chris Godwin of floors essentially because he's going to get open and the ball's going to get thrown his way. Now, the way that Pickens is going to work is essentially every other read where Deontay Johnson is running an intermediate route. Pickens is going to take the top off the defense. You're going to get a winning boom play potential with him. So it's pick your poison there. You could start either one of them, but I don't expect both guys to be productive every week. I'm still it's, riding with Deontay Johnson with the floor.
1: Yeah, it's also not possible for both guys to go off when you are throwing the ball 25 times a game, right? Like, there's going to be some incompletions. Let's let's throw in like 10 incompletions there. We're talking 15 catches. Like, what are you? In who's going to succeed running, with that? Right. right so so you it's you have just inefficient
0: it's, running not as much passing sustaining drives is going to be the only thing that's going to lead to more volume so yes all of the offense right. essentially needs to click like they kind of did this game uh to be able to make both of those guys fantasy viable but uh nonetheless Steelers. what are they four and two now man i don't
2: i just don't even understand that uh but two, good for them 13 and four after bye weeks i don't know how they do it but they just figured it out mike tomlin is out man Mike mike tomlin man.
1: is the best coach in football
0: Seattle Seahawks hosting the Arizona Cardinals at home cover the nine-point spread because they win by 10. 20 to 10, under 43 and a half caches. Uh, Shashot, talk to us.
1: Um, I just want to talk about the running back situation. Until Connor's back, um, Demarcato is seemingly back. I feel so bad for the people that used their number one waiver and picked up DeMarcado that one week. And then the next week, it. it looked like he had to had to drop him. You were forced to. What are you supposed to do? You Hold on to you, that. Bro.
0: That's not your fault. Nope.
1: Right. So it's just like that sucks. That's like probably the worst break in fantasy so far from a waiver perspective, because um, you know at least like the Jaleel McLaughlin's you were usable for two weeks and whatnot. But that, that's just a bad break. And now someone's gonna come in, and scoop them along, and use them for the next two weeks. Um, but yeah, that that's really it. Just don't don't get overwhelmed trying to pick up running backs for the Cardinals because we know what the deal is here. And I hear um connor's recovering pretty pretty, at a good rate so i think um all said and done it's going to go back to connor's hands they're going to just wear him out until his contract expires at this point so don't get too cute trying to use uh your top waiver picks for one of these running backs there's so many other places to go with those picks
0: yeah another injury on their offense zach hurts is now headed to the ir right target machine uh but it could be a good thing for this offense man they needed an excuse to get mcbride on the field why did you draft him so high if you're just going to continue to him behind a 40-year-old tight end, right? So Trey McBride uh, on the field now. He should see more targets. This offensive game script has been how it's been all year. They're behind a lot. They throw the football a lot. Targets get sent to Ertz, Hollywood Brown, uh, Michael Wilson on occasion. That just means that those Ertz targets are now going to be Trey McBride. Again, we're, we're latching onto a tight end that could potentially have talent. We know nothing about him outside of the fact that they drafted him high, So which means we would have thought that they were going to utilize him. And now that there's nobody else in front of him to take away his opportunities, uh, it, it seems like a pretty deployable player considering the fact that Dobbs and Gang uh, seems to play from behind a lot. So uh, somebody to monitor McBride, by weeks, random tight end. You don't have one of the great tight ends and you continue to deploy. Uh, McBride in certain matches may not be a bad play.
2: Yeah, keeping it with the uh, injury theme, uh, DK Metcalf was out last week. So uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba saw his first touchdown, first career touchdown, seven targets, and he's seen more snaps spent back in back-to-back weeks. So I think he's, Definitely a flex-worthy start moving forward. So uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba season incoming.
0: Yeah, it was nice to see. Finally, they used him like they should and actually deploy their star receivers that they drafted in the first round. The Green Bay Packers are a nightmare. They lose to the Broncos on the road, and everybody is wondering what the hell is wrong with Jordan Love. 19-17 final. Broncos win this. Cover the one-point spread under 44 caches. show, what did you see this game that is fantasy relevant?
1: Dude, honestly, I don't see much things wrong with uh, Jordan Love. I just think he was put up on a way too high of a pedestal to begin with. People are talking about, like, he's never played a snap besides, like, scrappy, last-second bullshit stuff. And we're, like, considering him to be so good just because he's a Packer. I mean, yeah, albeit history does point in that direction, but that's just, that's a flaw in your reasoning if you thought Love was going to come out and start slinging like Aaron Rodgers. Um, He's doing a great job overall. I, I don't see, like, this, like... Terrible play per se, but it's not where things need to be. He's playing like a first year quarterback, he's been sitting on the bench for multiple years three, four years now. You would think he's gathered enough in, uh, information to adjust a few things here and there. Um, but things just haven't been going right for the Packers with the lack of receivers. There's no connection, right? Like Aaron Rodgers had the benefit of having who he wants out there, he chose. You know, I need Randall Cobb back. I need this. I need that. They made it happen, they, although they wouldn't give him a first round receiver. Uh, they made things certain like things like that happen. Jordan Love does not have the chemistry option. He's just dealing with people that are popping in, popping out, and on a, on a basically a first year quarterback, right? That just doesn't work. That does not work unless you have elite level receiving, which they do not have. And now Christian Watson's out. Like, it's just, it's a mess. It's a freaking mess. They, they seem to be throwing into their tight ends more than any other team in, in some of these critical downs because there's nothing going on. So it's a mess. It's a mess. I feel bad for Jordan Love. It may get better. It may not. It's a terrible world out here. It's a, it's a dog-eat-dog world. I'm not sure how long you're going to last up in the NFC North, buddy. Um, but it's it's not as bad as it seems. There are so many more worse quarterbacks. Um, the situation just sucks. And Love is just not that guy. He was never that guy. He was supposed to be that guy, but life doesn't always work out like that.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. Christian Watson's knee injury. That's something definitely to monitor. That was late in the game, so um, I, I think he's optimistic that he'll be ready for Week Eight. Uh, but if he's not, you know, uh, Jaden Reed um, or Dobbs is going to probably get more of the targets there. Uh, and also McLaughlin owners, man. Like y- y- you probably deployed him when you were able to when Javante Williams is out. Now it's like, do you keep him? Do you is not-
1: he out again? He's not out. Javante okay. Williams
2: is not out. But it's it's you know, when he's still getting carries and he's looking very efficient in his carries. Um, so it, that it's it's a tough for me, it's tough for me to drop McLaughlin right now. I would say you hold him in the event as a handcuff if Javante Williams does get hurt.
0: I, I hold on to him for sure,
2: man. He's one of the few players, think about it like
0: the Sean Payton drafted him, right? So it, it, I'm always, he's completely turning over an entire roster. And I think coaches of that magnitude usually have guys that are their players. And so he, like, you know, he's going to use the guy that he thought was a good idea to draft or, or sign, right? Yeah. And McLaughlin's his guy. So, uh, and he's flash, It's not like he's not good. He's running the ball hard. He he's really well good. He's
1: elusive. He is he, very he, good. He runs
0: really, really well. They have a knack for finding undrafted free agents. I don't know how Philip Lindsay was productive with the Broncos. So Terrell Davis, I mean, shit. So, um, you know, keep an eye out for McLaughlin. What I'll say is on the other side, Uh, I think A.J. Dillon is just a glorified Joshua Kelly, guys. Uh, He's only good when Aaron Jones is actually there. Like, how does that make sense? Aaron Jones is out. A.J. (laughs) Dillon, you're going to get the workload. He sucks dick. Aaron Jones is back. He's healthy. A.J. Dillon's like, oh, shit, man. My job's on the line. I'm going to get no catches. I have to run hard. 15 for 61, 2 for 34 through the air. Sad numbers, but both of those led the Packers. 34 receiving yards led the Packers. So uh, that just goes to show what the state of the Packers currently is. 10 different players saw a target. So it's literally where's the chemistry what's the identity of this offense who is the guy they don't have a guy so uh no pass catchers on lineup lock obviously aj Dillon, you're not really starting aaron jones the sad thing is if you drafted him you're probably still going to play him and i think the future is obviously going to get a little bit better but aj dylan's one of the most frustrating fantasy players to exist because he's only good when you wouldn't start him because he's splitting committee. so uh just for fantasy wise aj Dillon, you just are down the trash so uh so, you know, nothing more to so, say so, there
1: I I got a little bit of a funny story. Um, So in my medical school football league, um, Chase is number one in our league right now. And I'm like, I'm out of the playoffs, just underneath somewhere there. Um, He is like, what, six and two or whatever the numbers are now, Um, or six and one, something like that. But he dropped Aaron Jones three weeks ago. And we're all just like, dude, do you even watch football? And he's like, he sucks, bro. Look, look at the numbers. Look at the, he sucks. And we're just, since that day, he just, we, we have nothing to say to him. We have nothing to say to him now. And now that even he, when he's back, he's not really playing so well. Um, I, I know it's, it's like a very, very, one of those like very angry situations where you're like, I know so much about football, but I look like an idiot right now. But at the end of the day, like we'll see. Oh, and by the way, the story, the plot thickens when the Reds has a first waiver pick and he picks up Aaron Jones and he just lost this week because Aaron Jones didn't do shit. So funny, Jeez. funny how God's work. <laughs>
0: That's so funny. In my other league, somebody dropped Aaron Jones too. And did I tell you guys that story? I got straight up colluded where I had the top waiver and somebody oh, dropped yeah. Aaron Jones. And I'm like, well, Yeah, I'm like, what an idiot. And then Jake told his brother. Or no, I had like the third waiver. And then Jake texted his brother to pick up Aaron Jones because he saw that I was gonna get him. And I was like, <laughs> dude, screw you, bro. Screw you. So uh I know how that feels. Uh, absolutely. Um, exciting game on the board in terms of the offenses. Chiefs and chargers. Chargers continue to just be the gift that never gives you just continue to want it to be something that it's absolutely not so when are we going to look the charges in the face and say you are just the definition of mediocrity chiefs win this 31 to 17 cover the five and a half point spread under 48 and a half cashes by the hook uh i'll kick us off rishi rice baby five catches 60 yards and a touchdown exciting stuff but there are reasons to be you know still have those reservations only six targets uh second though to kelsey who saw 13 which obviously 40 snaps played which is his high on the season including 31 on passing downs which also is his high on the season the trend continues to rise uh but my fear is that they they don't need like they don't need him to be anything more than this so it's like what's the what's the reason for them to be like we're going to play him more when you already have Kelsey you already have an offense that basically mahomes creates out of structure when he wants so I like the floor right now. I like the trend in the snaps going up, the targets going up, the usage going up, but it's still not to the level where you're like, I need to start this guy every week, but I do also like his talent. So I'm in a weird predicament where I like the talent. This the, the usage is upticking slightly, but it's still not to the level where you're so confident in deploying him. And I don't know that ever gets there because the chiefs quite frankly can succeed without it ever having. to. So, um, I don't know how you guys feel about Rasheed Rice uh, show, you started him this week in our league. He played well. Uh, But do you
2: guys have any opinions on Rasheed
0: Rice long-term heading into the rest of the season?
2: I think he's a guy that like on my team, I'm just kind of deploying because of the injury situation. But if there's another guy that's there, I mean, if you're stuck between Olave and Devante Smith, I think it's a little bit tough to kind of say that Rasheed Rice, just because there's Sky Moore, there's Kader Sony, And then there's Kelsey who's like, you know, when Taylor sits in the house, then he, you know, he goes off. So uh, not that he doesn't go off other days, but it's just too many balls to be fed. But I think if you have to deploy him, then you will. Uh, and if you don't have any other choices as well.
1: Yeah. You know, um, back on the McLaughlin thing real quick, some people can afford to hold on to him, but in like a five man league, like, right. you know, mostly it's just impossible to, but these are one of those players where if you can hold on to him, you do because he plays for the best quarterback in the history of football. Right. That's also his downside because Patrick Mahomes doesn't need a number one receiver when he has Travis Cussey. So the whole field is an option. Anybody can go off on any day, and I'm trying to go to the finest fantasy football championships. I cannot bank on that to go to the fantasy football championships. Like you, you, it's just not something you're you you feel confident about because you know the 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 playability is there, the yards after the catch is there. He's a big receiver that can make plays. All of that's good, but playing for the Chiefs, it's just. Like you said, Chauvet, Devontae Smith is an option, even though he's not performing that well. I'm still going to start Devontae Smith because of that boom option. That Rice, you know, we get a solid floor from Rice. We will because he's trusted in the goal line situation. He'll get three touchdowns in over a span of eight weeks. But I don't see this, like, crazy resurgence where he's now the best receiver in football or, like, even the top, you know, two tiers of football. I think he's a guy that'll make things happen during a fill-in spot for now. For now. Keep in mind, both his optimism and his demise is the same thing. And that's both Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes has never been tied to anything besides Travis Kelsey. And I don't expect that to change. So if you need a spark, you are down by this and you're like, Hmm, I got, I got Godwin. I need 14 points going into blah, blah, blah. You don't play Godwin. You play Rashie Rice, right? Like it's, 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 a, it's a matchup type of situation here. I love the guy. It looks really it looks great. I I don't know I don't know about you guys, but I just love everything about him. Big contact guy. Does passes hasn't dropped the eye passes. test for sure. Like he passes yeah.
0: the eye test for sure.
1: For sure. So yeah, I would play him uh symptomatically.
0: That's fair. What would you see this game?
1: Um for me, you know, I'm I'm watching the Chargers hardcore because as a fan of a mediocre team myself, I I have a I have this like this low-key innate like tendency towards to watch other mediocre teams. And um, you know, it's it's you just figure out what they're lacking. And the thing is like, when you look at it on paper, they're lacking nothing. (laughs) And then the defense just allows a lot of points and they can't keep up with how bad their defense is. It's it's a a simple case of, dude, my defense is so bad that no matter how many points I pick up, my offense will not be able to catch up to that. It's sad because that's the world we lived in for the last two years. Um, But yeah, there's really nothing wrong. You deploy all these players. Eckler's slowly coming back. He seems a little hobbled still. So this is one of those weird rare cases where you, have a intelligent fantasy owner of an Eckler and you text him multiple times about, about Eckler's injury, just rile that up a little bit more. be like, Oh, he's hobbling again. Hobbling. And then two weeks later you send a trade request. And this dude at this point has been playing your mind game this whole time. And now he's like, huh? Hmm. Raheem Mostert for fucking Eckler. Let's let's do it. I'm tired of this. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's those situations take advantage of it. Cause I, I don't, it's not going to last. Eckler is going to get back to normal at some point. Um or he should. If not, you know, it's it's a good it's a good uh bet to uh just risk it on.
2: Yeah, so um I just want to highlight, man. I, I think I said it earlier, but uh, Sunday was national tight end day. Tople that with couple of that with uh T Swizzle in the stands, man. The Kelsey was just went off, man. 179 yards, second uh, most in the game, and the first his first most was also against the Chargers in 2021. So uh Kelsey Chargers, national tight end Day Taylor swift. Man, that was just it's just waiting to happen, um. That way, so uh. But and the second point I want to make in terms of this game is Quentin Johnson was a guy that uh when um Mike Williams got hurt was a guy that people were picking up on waivers. At this point, man, it just seems like he's a guy that you can drop. Uh, thirty four snap counts, only two targets. Jalen Guyton is also coming back, which is um probably going to take away from some of those targets as well. Potentially could, but he hasn't shown anything to say that he is going to take that wide receiver two spot in Los Angeles. So I think he is droppable at this point.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like he's going to have to expand his route tree to get the ball thrown his way. Right now you have way better route runners and Keenan Allen, one of the best, even Joshua Palmer uh, and Eckler who can get open a lot quicker pace than Quentin Johnson can. So unless they're throwing him deep flies or, you know, slants to the house, he is unusable right now. Um, one real quick update that I got some clarity on Deshaun Watson's injury should put some shed some light on this he has a strain okay. of the subscapularis within the rotator cuff, and yeah. he continues to have both pain and weakness within movement this type of injury in baseball normally causes pitchers to miss four to six weeks, Watson Watson continues to work to regain strength and velocity in his shoulder and shorten that window is what it
1: says. Ooh, this is interesting. I didn't, I don't have my phone because my phone is being used as my camera. Uh, so I, I did not see this, but, um, that's interesting because the rotator cuff has four muscles, right? It's four muscles that combine to make one cuff around your shoulder, um, your humeral head. Um, so what's happening is, uh, as if you read my article from last week, I noted that it was a rotator cuff contusion that is so rare. I have not seen one of those. And all I do is look for injuries. And I have not seen one of those because you either tear your rotator cuff, you strain it, you pull on it. It's the pulling mechanism that hurts you. When people land on the rotator cuff area, you're, you're either hurting your deltoid or you're hurting your AC joint. Nobody bruises a rotator cuff. This is very interesting because the subscapularis muscle is the, one of the most protected muscles in the upper body. So it's like you have your shoulder blade, And then you have the muscles on top of the shoulder blade. The subscapularis is underneath the shoulder blade. It's so protected. So what must have happened is it was probably like a really crushing injury where like a lineman fell on his back or something, or he felt like got tackled and landed on his back. And the bone, his own bone probably pushed up against the subscapularis muscle and caused a big bruise, which obviously when you lean back like this, it's just, it's too much pain. It's too much pain. Um, That being said, I played against three Deshaun Watsons this week. Bro, when it rains, it pours. I, I hope I didn't use up all my juju in one week. But these these dudes, I don't know what they're thinking. One of them is a doctor too, so I'm not sure why he deployed De- Deshaun Watson out there in, a, in this type of situation. But yeah, that's that's what's happening to him, and it's not looking good.
0: Okay, yeah, it's good to know because he is still uh, in waivers right now. Obviously, the upside with what everybody thought he could be, uh, he's out there to grab. But if this is going to be a lingering problem in his throwing shoulder, like that, I don't know how you start a quarterback that has a problem with his throwing arm or throwing shoulder yeah
1: it's it's too risky there's way but there's options out there that will not ruin your week versus putting them out there and hoping for something that we haven't seen yet this year you know it's just it's it's foolish don't do that so, good enough
2: this is so weird it was he was medically cleared at one point and that's so because it,
1: the injury was underneath the bone they probably did like ultrasounds and they pressed uh, on it and they didn't see it wow, wow.
0: gosh man the medical world fascinating crazy stuff. Sunday Night Football, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Miami Dolphins, their second big test of the year. Were they going to answer Philadelphia? Sputtering a little bit. Played one of their best games of the year. 31-17. They win the game at home. Covered the three-point spread under 52 caches. Um, it. kick us off. Would you like this game?
2: Yeah, so it's not about what I liked, but what I saw and what I want to kind of target is DeAndre Swift, uh, Swift uh, only has nine fantasy points, but his usage was very sexy. I mean, he played 70% of the snaps. I also saw sixty-seven percent of passing down work. This is a running team, and I think that moving forward, if someone is willing to tell, uh, to sell DeAndre Swift, you go and you buy low because better days are coming for Swift.
1: Bro, well, I don't know how much lower that you can get with a like being on the. I mean, sorry, not how much lower. It's like this is. I don't know how much lower this output made him look because he's yeah. still on the best running team. I had to give up a Puka Nakua to get this motherfucker, dude. Yeah. It's hard out here. Getting Swift is going to cost a lot. <laughs> so you may be right. Nine fantasy points. This is probably your only option to uh, grab him. Dude, um,
0: what's so funny about that? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. What's so funny about that is I have Puka right, and in my other league, this guy has Swift and. The text I got yesterday, I'd be willing to part with Swift, and then his immediate text after that, Puka? Question mark. So he also <laughs> wants the same exact deal in this league. So that seems to yeah. be where the value lies for DeAndre Swift. But that's sure. the league where I have that I have Saquon, Pollard exactly, in.
1: exactly. That's so, my. Yeah. I had the opposite problem. I have Adams. I have uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I have you know enough players to not risk losing my season from one trade. So yeah, I, I had to pull the trigger. I was like, I got too many receivers. Like I need to make something of this and. That's what happened.
0: Yeah. Speaking of running backs, though, we talked about Jeff Wilson's return for the Miami Dolphins. Uh Han was out, obviously. So it was Mostert, and then who was going to be the backup? They didn't run the ball effectively at all this game. But what was notable is Jeff Wilson Jr. only played seven snaps. They were all passing downs, did not garner a single carry. Uh again, like I mentioned, they were down most of the game. They struggled to run. Salvin Ahmed played 18 snaps to Mostert's 26. So um my my thought on this is like Ahmed's been around. Achhmed and Wilson have been around. Like they've They've, uh, you know, they've had, they've been around the same time, right? And when they've both been healthy and around, it seems to still favor Wilson. This is Wilson's first week back. So I think they were just easing him in. I still think Wilson's the backup behind Rain Mostert up until HM comes back. Uh, so I think you can still hold on to Wilson because the upside we've seen with running backs in this offense. Uh, but I'm having a hard time because I am rostering Wilson in my other league and rosters are, you know, thin, like uh, your bench spots are thin. So I don't know if I continue to hold on to him with the hope that there's one or two weeks to get to playing before HN comes back. Or if this is a guy that at this point I can drop, I don't know if you have any thoughts there.
1: I have some thoughts as, as a avid Miami uh, dolphins owner. And like a lot of leagues, I, i I went through the same thing, dude. And this is the time of the year where you got to make these really tough decisions. It's there's no point. Like when you, m- remember what I say during these draft weeks, right? We're not holding a daycare here. We're not drafting to just to, to, for some, this to be like, Oh, I told you this guy was going to go off. And like, that does nothing for my team being excited. Cause one guy went off out of eight people you drafted does nothing for you. I can't emphasize that enough. Right? So people holding on to certain players, it's just like, there's something about proving something to somebody like, Oh yeah, I had this guy. I don't give a shit about that. Right. It's t- It's this time of the year. We got to clean out. It's spring cleaning, but winter edition. So, create your bench your bench should be supplementing your bye weeks that's that's what the bench is for at this moment unless you have really elite players and their handcuffs other than that your bench is supplementing your bye weeks you cannot afford to lose weeks eight through 13 because you didn't have a good enough bench player because you wanted to hold on to so and so to prove some so and so like that should not matter so that being said if you have a jeff Wilson like I did for four or five weeks. And then I just started realizing, fuck dude, bye weeks are coming. I don't have the capacity to see what could happen when you know a chance injury is not life-threatening and it'll he'll be back. So all that being said, I felt comfortable dropping Wilson. I actually put it Kyler Murray in that IR spot because my quarterbacks are looking pretty thin. I, I was also a Deshaun Watson guy and he's not coming back. And I've been streaming randos for the last Six weeks. I'm tired of that shit. So, using my theory for me personally, I had to pick up Kyler Murray to get rid of uh Wilson because it's a, it's a must. If I'm going to the if I'm going to the finals, it's not going to be because Jeff Wilson did something. It's because Kyler Murray did something. So, using that th- thought process, you're gonna have to make a decision about dropping Wilson or keeping him. That makes sense. Uh, I I don't really have much to add. I I mean the Dolphins as much as, as fun as it was expecting them to be like the greatest offense of all time, we all knew that was not the case. They beat up on really bad teams and then they play fairly competitive with good teams. Um, And again, you know, this transitive property doesn't work in football, right? A plus B does not equal C blah, blah, blah. It doesn't work like that. So you have to understand just because the bills beat the dolphins and the dolphins beat this team. And then that team got beat by the Eagles. Like that is one of the most flawed theories in all of sports. Do not use that information. The Eagles look like a powerhouse. The Eagles look phenomenal. They've been playing kind of whack the last couple of days, but when you can use this Spartan type of gameplay where they just power other teams to like give up, it's amazing. I I don't know if I've ever seen this before where two yards, fuck it. We'll run it on third down. We'll run it on fourth down and you're going to do absolutely nothing about it. So I think this is amazing. This is the type of team that's built for the long run. And we're finally getting to see this like halfway through the year. I'm excited to see more Eagles football.
0: Yeah, man. Tush push often imitated, never replicated. You just can't do it. How many teams have we seen now try to do this and just get absolutely stuck? It's not a a thing. It's, it's, it's really, it's not as free as people want to make it out to be. I think if the Eagles can continue to do it successfully, bro, I saw a tweet the other day that said, how come when Tom Brady was running his quarterback sinks up the middle for like three yards a pop, nobody ever batted an eye? And yeah. just because Jalen Hurts gets one extra guy pushing him from behind, like all of a sudden it's the craziest thing in the world. Why can't they bro? figure it out? Put nine in the box. I don't care. Like this is an offensive scheme. They're not cheating. There's nothing that says you, like when running backs running uh, up the middle for one, there's nothing that says the quarterback can't come up behind him and push yeah. him. Same situation, bro. This is not like, I don't understand so many people have so, such a problem with
1: this. Like this, I, is- I did. I used to. I used to have a problem with this. I was like, that's not fair. Why do they keep getting And then you just like sit down and let your emotions out of it. And you're like, so you're telling me all the most powerful t- people on one side are going against all the most powerful and- teams on the other side. And they're just basically going like this, right? So if one team can do that better, I don't think that should be banned. I think that's stupid.
2: It's all going to depend on if people get injured or not. If they start getting, like, if there's some serious injury that happens, because there was that whole uh, play, the on the, defense, on the on the field goal on field goals. Uh, whenever they're kicking a field goal, like too many players on the one side of the field, right? Like that causes serious injury. So if we get to that point that Tush push does that, then I think you can consider that. True, but until then, it, it may just play play on. Yeah, man. Fly goes five. I man,
0: keep pushing the tush for as long as it works, because like, why not? That ends the rundown with one more game. We have to talk about the best game on the board, Monday Night Football, the Minnesota Vikings hosting the San Francisco 49ers. My goodness, I am still speechless a whole night later. They win the game 22-17. to 17. They cover the seven-point dog spread under 44 caches. Uh, Shashot, I'll let you start us off here.
1: Bro, ne- never been so proud to be a fan of a team than yesterday. It was crazy, man. Like, don't, don't get homerism confused with belief because homer argues points that have nothing to back up right like you're just like yeah but he's better this is not one of those cases i've believed in everything that this team has to offer it's the fumbles i've been saying it since week two bro like you can't expect to beat the eagles by one score when you fumble the ball two times right it's just and then tipped passes here and there income in interceptions you're not gonna win games like that but when that's not happening this is what happens this has always been the vision protect the ball for one of the most accurate quarterbacks in NFL history and just throw people the ball. It's that easy. That will probably win you more than half the games. Now on the other side of the field, we had defense playing lights fucking out as if, as if, as if a player's wife was stuck in the Philippines and they had, the only way they could bring them back was to get national coverage. And that's exactly what happened. She's probably going to be back here in a couple of weeks. Shout out to Bynum elite level gameplay my dude he has been pff um idp league's number one player that is not a linebacker till this day and now he just just went up even higher and it's crazy everything is going great everything's perfect justin jefferson take your sweet ass time because we need you long run buddy i don't not really know what to say just just I just hope the world understands what it means to be a quarterback and how to play this position. It's not about the flash. It's not about the one play you make breaking 13 tackles. It's about sitting in that pocket, delivering the ball where the ball needs to go. And if you put the ball where the ball needs to go, any receiver can get to that space before the defender can, if he's good enough. And all we need is good enough at this point. JJ will come back, make good, make good enough better. Things are looking pretty good. I I, I know usually I'm this hype for unnecessary reasons, but I have never seen a game where, Everything just checked off one after another backup running backs coming in, catching screens, taking them 25 yards, backup receivers, making third down plays, defense causing four bumbles on CMC. Yo, if you play like this, Vikings, there's no reason to put you in the same, same categories, everybody else, especially when the Josh Allen's are struggling, especially when the Mahomes are not Mahomesing. especially when we've seen some of these faults in the Dolphins in the, in the, and all, all these other teams. There is nothing that cannot be achieved. Play the game right. Play the game how it's supposed to be played, and you will see results.
2: Chauvin, neutral neutral party in this game. What did you see? Yeah, no, I think that uh, – so Troy Aikman was the analysis, right? And he was kind of talking about uh, Kirk Cousins' play. And I, well, I, what I liked was, like, Kirk Cousins was making throws away from the receivers when he had to as well. Like, when there's a defender, uh, the, a linebacker that is, pr- ho- like, hawking – the uh, trying to, you know, play um, – I guess just kind of staying far back from the receiver, but like has an opportunity to intercept it. He threw that ball far away where like only the receiver could have potentially gotten it. Um, and so I thought that those were little things that were good. And I thought that Kirk Cousins also like threw the ball really well under pressure. I th- there was like really good targets uh, throughout the game, but um, you know, I, that that's all my analysis on the Vikings. I do have something I want to talk about on the 49ers, which I can come back to. I'll keep it with the Vikings team. So you can t- talk about that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it. You know, as a fan, it's like you said. You've already hit the nail on the head. It's everything you want to see in your football team, like every aspect of the game, flourished, and it was like I can't even think of a more complete victory in a bigger spotlight in a regular season game that was actually skill based and not fluky, right? Like the Bills last year was one of the highest of highs, but bro, Allen had to fumble at his own one year. line for a chance, right? So this was like not, nothing was given to us. We Went out there and we literally took it from the 49ers. So, I mean, a proud father is the best way I could put it. Like, it was one of the most, like, rewarding things to ever witness from your team. Everybody, man. Kirk Cousins, absolute nails. Madison running hard. Akers comes in, runs hard. Ty Chandler looks flashy. KJ Osborne diving for passes that, you know, when he's not even catching normal passes his way. Jordan Addison, bro. Jordan Addison, Mm. welcome to the big leagues, my man. Wide receiver 12 on the season after this performance. Second in the league in touchdowns behind Tyreek Hill, tied with Stephon Diggs. First game of the season with double double digit targets, guys. Can you believe that? This is his first game of the season with double digit targets and he's wide receiver 12. First game of the season with 100 yards and he's wide receiver 12. First game of the season with seven catches and he's wide receiver 12. JJ's out at least another three weeks. And like you said, man, if this is how they can play against one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in football, our schedule is incredibly soft for the next six to seven weeks. Like you said, JJ, take your sweet time, man, because Addison can fill this role and play it effectively. And this offense is absolutely clicking. So I, in my other league, somebody started Kirk cousins, Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson. And their other their other player with their other player with CMC, CMC is their horse. Right. And any other world, any other world before that game starts, I'm like, this guy is living on a prayer. <laughs> like wh- what's the thought process here? And, lo and behold man that dude put up like 140 points because everybody just absolutely smashed so uh i have no words i'm at a loss of words with this game to be completely honest with you um just a phenomenal performance um, the only thing i'll say as a viking fan and i don't even want to be this way is let's not have a letdown spot against the packers next week let's keep the fucking groove going yeah. if we beat the packers and we're four and four man i am Like, we're back in. Like, I, this is an insane win. But one thing I really want to say is last year, every team that played the 49ers the week after lost, they were like 1-7 because of how much it takes to beat a team of this caliber. Right? KOC was in his bag. Best play calling I've ever seen all year. So, I don't want that to stop because you're playing an inferior opponent. Don't play down to your level of competition. You played this well against the 49ers. You should destroy the Packers right now that are as dysfunctional as they are so that's what I want to see amazing performance fantasy galore shove it take us home here
2: yeah, yeah. kudos to the Vikings that's a great one for you uh for the Vikings um but I want to talk about on the other side of the field Brock Purdy who I was pretty high on I think around like week three week four like guy who can start but I I'm seeing Brock Purdy make some pretty bad throws at times. And at times he makes really great throws, right? The throws to Jennings where Jennings doesn't even see it. And then he just kind of catches it. So I, I think that Brock uh, Purdy was has been put on a pedestal and we really haven't seen sort of defenses been, being able to stop Purdy and maybe not enough blitzes. And, and the Vikings did a really good job of blitzing last week. So, uh, or yesterday. So I think that it's time to start thinking that Brock Purdy isn't that great and he's in a great system. Um, but at the same time he's not as he can't be in the conversation as an elite player because it's just not as accurate and though some of those throws overthrown like wide open throws you know an elite quarterback is making that throw and Brock Purdy just is mid at this point
0: yeah no I completely agree with you I, I think I don't I don't know that if somebody was putting Brock Purdy in an elite level echelon then they're completely wrong I think what's interesting about Brock Purdy is he's playing so much better than what the expectation of him was, right? Right. Like you're you're the last pick in the draft. Nobody expected you to start a single football game in the NFL. That's not realistic because most seventh round quarterbacks don't do that. So for him to start, you know, what, 13 and 0 and all that stuff, like he's in an amazing system. We already know the Shanahan system flourishes, um, but you're right. The accuracy was what was on display last night. And there were a lot of balls that sailed, a lot of balls that were a little too high for the receivers. Uh, and you had these zone windows where you had like the linebacker and then you had the safety. So you had to drop it right there. And Purdy struggled a little bit with that, right? So that's why those balls were sailing. So I think the accuracy was the biggest thing that I saw that was at fault. Uh, but I still think because of the system, you could do worse in yeah. a fantasy starter than two touchdown passes from Brock Purdy every week, right? So Debo was out. Grant Williams is out. Like, let's not get it twisted. The best left tackle maybe of all time was out as well. But also, real quick, shout out to the bookends on the Minnesota Vikings, maybe the best tackle duo in the NFL right now. Where was Joey Bosa last night? I'm sorry. Where was Nick? Oh, he was probably at home. Where was Nick Bosa last night, guys? Did anybody see a single play where Nick Bosa made an impact? I've never seen Nick Bosa as quiet as he was last night, bro. They had him on the right against Derisaw. They said, you know what? Derisaw's too good. Let's put him on the left against O'Neal. Well, what happened? Absolutely nothing because O'Neal is just as good. So – the foundation for this team is as excited as I could possibly be in a long time because they actually put it together and the performance uh, was, you know, the performance mirrored what the foundation looks like. So I think that's what was most uh, appealing. But I think for Brock Purdy owners, I still think, you know, you're a Watson guy, even a Lawrence underperforming guy. Like you could do worse than two touchdown passes from Brock Purdy week in and week out. Anything else to add in this crazy week seven slate of games, guys? Did we Get a new anything? kicker.
1: Get a new kicker, Minnesota Vikings, right now.
0: Greg Joseph ain't it, fam? That's and uh, oh, we didn't we didn't talk about it, but the whole Bijan Robinson situation. Like I I, I don't have Bijan Robinson, so I didn't care. I played against Bijan in both leagues, so yeah, some good juju for me too. But what the hell was that? And, and
1: he has he has headaches. He has headaches. It's Percy Harvin two point Buckle up, oh, buckle up. Oh, yeah. No. No. Yeah, I've already sent four trades. I should have sent this many weeks ago. I don't know why I didn't. I'm I'm terrified. Nothing looks good anymore. Just need big plays. I just have to hang. Just hold on for big plays. That's it.
0: Yeah, like if that's what it is, it sucks. Because it just made no sense that he wasn't feeling well, so they held him out. But then he played on the final drive like a snap. Like, (laughs) that makes no sense that makes absolutely no sense so i don't know what that was about the league's investigating all that because there's like a certain level of reporting you have to do before the game on sunday if your guys you know hurt or sick or whatever so uh something to monitor But man if you're a b john robinson owner and you got that that's just that's apparently
1: uh, apparently he said he's not feeling well like just like oh like it's not going well and then later closer to the game he started getting actual headaches and it's that's a migraine. It's a classic migraine. You get mental fog for the beginning, like thirty minutes, and then it leads into headaches. That's so debilitating, and with the sound of the crowd, it makes all that worse. And then you're getting hit in the head. So that's that's what happened. And the NFL is going to investigate this, and they're going to lose because it's a migraine. This is how it's done. This is how the players, you know, show what they have. It's with the migraine. It's not like an elbow injury. Like why didn't you why did you hide that from me? The NFL is going to be able to do nothing about this. Us fantasy owners, dude, I would have gotten screwed if it wasn't for uh, Deshaun Watson starting for every fucking team I played against because Bijan got me 0. 0.3 fancy points. Crazy. And you had
0: Foreman, right? Almost in every league. Yeah. So Foreman basically outputted for two running backs. So Bijan pretty getting much. nothing would have been like totally fine. So pretty much. man, just, just absolutely crazy. That's the only other thing I can think of to talk about, but yeah, next week we have this week coming up, absolutely no buys. And then there's week 10 and week 13, I believe are like the worst buy weeks Bad. imaginable. Yeah. I think my entire team is out both those weeks. So uh, definitely be pre-gaming. For that in two weeks uh the bi clips but other than that what a wild week of games it's nice to have bye weeks because you have less games to talk about which naturally means we talk longer uh but we are the only playbook i am sweetheart that is to show Shisho- that is Shovet. thank you guys so much for tuning in have a fantastic week